You're listening to a Comics XF podcast. Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm the bad boy of X-Men podcasting, Zach Jenkins. Hi, Adam. Hey, Zach. You ever, you and I, you and I were just talking off air, uh, mm-hmm. just right before this, how time, it keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Into the future. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I was in preparation for this episode, looking back on the archives in our fond memories and i had to scroll in uncomfortably far way back to get to our uh 2020 uh c2 e2 special that was Ugh. jam-packed filled with uh krakowites yeah the original uh x writer's room for krakoa that was not the original writer's room for krakoa technically that was the writer's room for ten of swords and then also hellfire gala and a few other things well I mean, listen, if you look at the first two years, we talked to just about anybody that was working on those books and writers wise. Right. And a couple of the artists. So that was that was a lot of fun. But um, this episode is kind of bringing us back because we are talking about earlier era, earlier era, earlier stages, uh, Krakoa books today. Right. Don, it, it, it would have been what people were calling the Don of X. Yes. Uh, for yes, the most part. When, Back when we were still doing eras, right? In this, I mean, I, I don't know. Well, we're still are. We're in very fall explicitly X, right? doing an era right now. Yes, they're yeah, doing the fall true. of X era, it, folks. If you want to know how our uh, attention to what's going on in current comics has changed over the years, it's that conversation. We're like, okay, where are we at? Where previously <laughs> we all had spreadsheets that let us know specifically what was at, what was coming. We're just vibing now. We're just listen. We're just in the zone. I did read a very well written issue of X Men Red this last week. That was a lot of fun. So uh, you know, listen, listen, hey folks, folks. There's a part in that comic that I should have expected, and I wasn't expecting, and it got me. It got gotcha. me good. Yep. No spoilers. We'll let you read that for yourself. But uh, hashtag hashtag listen. no spoilers hashtag. Um, <laughs> Well, we're going to spoil some stuff from a long time uh, ago. And by a long time ago, we're talking like, what, just talking two years? Uh, yeah, some I, of these who, comics came out in 2021. Yeah, who who requested this, Zach? Uh, this was a request by Patreon supporter JJ McCorvey. If you want to be like JJ, you can go over to patreon.com slash battle of the atom. And for five US dollars, we'll do an episode. That's fine. We'll do one. We'll pick Sweet one. Sweet deal. We'll give you. We'll That's give you one. We can talk about things. That costs so much less than like a new car, like well, five bucks. I was gonna say it costs it costs like half the price of of a Marvel comic. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's true. Sometimes, sometimes it costs half the price of a Marvel comic. Yeah, uh, uh, more often than be- you would want. Hey, one weird fun fact. One weird thing about the Patreon I found out: there's like a Discord style chat room there. Oh, exciting! So. When I have thoughts, that? I'm going to, I am using it. I run the Patreon. 
logistically. Adam, I don't think, has any actual access to it. I'd have to figure out how to make that happen. But maybe we could. But it's just a nice little place where I say dumb stuff sometimes and say, hey, what'd you think about that? And you guys can leave nice comments. Oh, I like that. That's so nice. It's good to have connections. Tell us we're pretty. That's all we want to (laughs) hear. Absolutely. Uh, Speaking of um, Jonathan Hickman, who you alluded to just moments ago, we are starting with. I didn't. I did not name names. (laughs) I want to be very clear. I could have been talking about any random fifth issue of Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, that's true. There are, there do seem to be a lot of those, right? It's like issue 33 and it's like the 60th anniversary of issue 12. And you're like, okay, of course it's always illustrated by JRJR. No shame. Get that money. We are, yeah, we are starting off with uh, two issues of X-Men volume five. This is numbers 18 and 19 written by Jonathan Hickman and drawn by Mahmoud Asrar. It's the vault. Uh, we're talking about the story vault. Because here's the thing. Here's what happened. I find this very funny. They went into the vault in like issue five back in early 2020. Yep. And then there was a pando. Uh-huh. And like so many things in this era, they were like, okay, so we got to kind of stretch this out. And we're not returning to this for a little while. So them coming back out of the vault less than 10 issues later um, felt like a big deal. When we've gotten through Empire and Ten of Swords by this point on this volume of X-Men, right? And now we're finally out of crossover mode and we're like, oh yeah, by the way, we're going to follow up on that thing from over a year ago. Check this out. All the crossovers were good, though. People are like, oh, Empire oh. got in the way. No, Empire was just... Empire was fun. Ex- Empire was, ju- much like the King and Black Titans to Sword, was just an excuse to do fun stuff that they would have already done otherwise and had to find a way to do. Yeah. Yeah, but this was one of those, uh, you know, first couple of issue things that Hickman dropped where they sent Laura Kinney Wolverine, uh, Sink and Darwin into the Children of the Vault's vault. This is what happens. They're in there for, like, hundreds of years. (laughs) They're in there for a while. Uh, The Children of the Vault, we've talked about them on this this very podcast before. We sure have, yes. I would like to say, pro-Children of the Vault. I like the Children of the Vault. Big. Are you reading the current Children of the Vault mini? Because I have not read it yet. Oh, one, it's a it's a mini that says Children of the Vault, but it's really about Bishop and Cable, so you should read it. Two, I read Denzel the Camp- first issue, I think, and there's I, only I, two issues out. Oh, okay, all issues. right. I didn't yeah. know how much I'd missed. No, just you've just missed one. Go catch up on it right after. Okay, so Denzel Camp is that. great and smart, and I mm-hmm, really mm-hmm. think that I really think that Denzel Camp is one of the best writers out there, and I say this with no disrespect. I really want Marvel to put more attention to their artists be and i think this is something that i'm i i kind of want to highlight in this episode how much an artist changes things in comics because mahmoud asar is great we've known he's great very solid very expressive artist very clean style here but makes for easy to follow visuals on this Uh like i look at his page and it's not 
generic, but it is economical. It is saying, I know what space I have, and I am going to clearly tell a story in this. And I'm not going to be like like the original uh, Children of the Vault artist, uh, Chris Pichalo. I'm not going to make it a very confusing page to read sometimes. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm going to do a good, clean style, and you're going to like it. And I think that's very successful here. And part of the reason why I think this story works is the character acting, is the staging, is the work that Mahmoud puts into this book. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it is interesting to see, um, you mentioned the word economical. If you go back and read issue five, RB Silva is doing that issue. Um, it's a much more detail rich issue. I mean, it is, it, it feels prestige in a way that this feels more monthly, right? Um, it, if, even if, even if you look at what Mahmoud was doing with some of the Ten of Swords issues, um, you know, this feels a little bit more like it's on a timeline. That said, it is an outstanding storytelling uh, approach that he's doing here. And some of the acting is so important to telling the, the relationship between these characters, because since they are in there for hundreds of years, uh, the relationship between these three characters is just as important as what happens to them. So what I think we're, what I think is interesting about that is because to tell that story really has one issue. The first issue of this truly is they have entered the vault. They do a fight. There's there's some character building for Sink, who it's great that Sink is a real character now. Yeah, because I read a lot of Generation X and I always felt bad that like Sink Sink's entire characterization was I'm a nice guy. Yeah. And he's still were, kind here, but he's being utilized in a really smart way. He has internality echo. that he's never had before. Yes. And he's allowed to actually have emotions and he's allowed to actually develop relationships in a way that we have not seen before, which is really great. You are right. The first issue, it's basically just the children finding uh, our three X-Men attacking them. And then it looks like they've all blown up. The second issue, I think, is the more impressive of the two, because that is the one where we get the the compressed timeline, which is yes. quite, quite extensive, right? Because time, similar to the world of Phantom X, right, the vault operates in a sped up time so that the children of the vault can evolve at an extremely high rate in an attempt to become these, like, n new humans, right? But these... These X-Men are stuck in there. Yes. And these are these are X-Men that, like, listen, they knew what they were getting into on this. So they chose Darwin and Wolverine, who they were pretty sure weren't going to die because right. of this. And they chose Sync because he could duplicate either of their powers as a contingency. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And as things go on, not only do the children of the vault evolve, but because our characters are aging, they evolve too. So the visual versions of these characters, um, you know, we're much more familiar with the older version of Laura Kinney at this point, because she's been out of the vault uh, for uh, some time now. But this is the first time that we're seeing this aged up, going gray, uh, Laura. Darwin has all kinds of spikes and blades coming out of him. 
Um, Sink has this like very thick beard that continues we to get grow daddy longer. Sink in this. Yeah. And listen, I say <laughs> yes. this, I say this as a straight man, we get daddy sink in this. There's yeah. some zaddy energy coming off of this guy. It is, I get why people are like, Oh, I, I, I this is appealing to me. Like my mood, I saw draws, draws pretty people. Good for him. Uh, yeah. Sink and Wolverine's relationship gets like evolved and it gets very interesting. And, it's fun to see. I'll say uh, if people were coming into this book hoping that Darwin would finally get a good story, well, keep waiting. <laughs> well, we don't. He gets captured. <laughs> he he does, but he almost kind of like lets himself get captured in a way. Like he's not trying to, but he's also merging with the vault in an interesting way that allows for better stories down the line. I think, you know, maybe like if maybe someday. Yeah. I don't know how this is being played in the new mini. Cause like it's Darwin, Darwin has been Darwin seen again since then. Darwin he has not come okay. up in the new mini. Okay. Uh, which is fine. Interesting to see how that plays because you know, the idea of Darwin merging with the vault is fascinating and has like, huge sci-fi possibilities um that you know would be really but fun to play with you need a you need a writer who's interested in the huge sci-fi possibilities and you need an artist who is capable of realizing them and yes. i think they've got about half that on the new book uh okay that's uh one man's opinion i yeah. i will say from an art standpoint i'm kind of disappointed with how they evolve the children of the vault from a design language standpoint, because they go away from being Chris Pachalo characters into being something far removed. And I understand that they want to show that these are characters that have changed, but then also I don't recognize them at a certain point. Yeah. Well, they, they come into a much more streamlined, smoother look, you know, they don't have, jackets and baubles and pigtails and you know they're they're, they're the kind of things. right exactly right they look less tim burtony they look you know a little bit more generic supervillain superhero so that design they do, and that's that's the thing away. that's the thing they they take away one thing to show change but they don't replace it with something equally as good like i would be fine if they gave them different but instead of like a Chris Pichalo, they went with a uh, like a Mobius or sure. like just some sort of we're doing something weird with them instead of being we're a little generic. That yeah. that part's that part I don't love. I do think the sync and uh, Wolverine relationship stuff works. I like the idea. Sync has a monologue about something his dad told him, which is, you know, some people think love is what being willing to die for somebody and yeah. he's like actually i think love is being willing to live for somebody and that's like mm -hmm. that is a very good distillation of a lot of things that were going on in this very specific era of x-men in this moment uh it's resonant it works i like it yeah I, this is a fun that this is, is a fun story that does live up to all of the hype that got built yeah, I, I think the pacing between the first two issues could be a little bit different. I remember when the first issue came out, I think that reading it on a monthly basis, we were a little bit like, oh, we mm, like 
I thought there would be a little bit more, but that second issue kind of makes up for it with the, uh, the compressed, um, storyline and the sync Wolverine thing, I think is a very surprising and smart thing to do to develop this relationship because X-Men fans love when X-Men get together and are in relationships, right? We, we adore it. We stand these things. And this is just the most recent example of a, a couple within the X universe that is surprising and also works really, really well. Um, and is sold really well because when sync does manage to get out and Laura is resurrected in her younger form, she doesn't remember the hundreds of years while sync does, which, you know, is at least for the potential for stories and tension is really interesting. Now we have, uh, talked about some other books from this era, um, in our big old list. So why don't you tell us about that, Zach? What, what is well, here's the thing about list? our big old list. Our big old list is us ranking all the X-Men stories from all time. We've ranked Crazy. 828 X-Men stories. Did you know there were that many X-Men stories? Some would argue there's too many X-Men stories. Some would say <laughs> that maybe there's not more than 500 decent ones. Who knows? Uh, but what we can't say. What we can say is that we've ranked them. Uh, with the best being That's House right. of X Powers of 10, number 100 being Age of X-Men, Next Gen. Uh, number 200 being Avengers versus X-Men. That's a wild thing that's at our 200. That makes sense. Does it? Is it good? I don't know. I feel like, you think that's I feel like I'd have to read it again. I probably. Okay. It doesn't <laughs> matter. Uh, because number 300 is Ghost Rider Punisher Wolverine Hearts of Darkness, a comic yes. that I would immediately say is better than Adventures versus X-Men. I've also, <laughs> Adam, you don't know this yet. I've been reading some Howard Mackey Ghost Rider recently. Oh, nice. Is it good? No. Is Ghost Rider the best character to ever exist? That's a that's a hard yes. Wow. He's an on-fire motorcycle skeleton. <laughs> I do the moment they tar- start talking about Zarathos or Ezekiel, I am out. But right now, here's what Ghost Rider has done. He found some cops and he said, screw you to them. He stopped some drug dealers. Okay. He's just generally found actual, like, abuse. Like, people hmm. who were doing bad things. Racist. He 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 messed up some Nazis. Like, Love it. Ghost Rider's just going around being like, I will avenge whatever needs avenging. And then, then Danny catches like, oh, I'm sad that my sister's in the hospital. I'm like, set yourself on fire and get on a motorcycle. No one cares, Danny. <laughs> no one cares. <laughs> oh, I look forward to your Ghost Rider podcast, Zach. Someday. <laughs> listen, listen, I will convince, I will convince Robert Secundus that we have to do a Ghost Rider podcast. <laughs> Amazing. That's, that's my next project. I'm kidding. I have so much work to do. Uh, Savage Avengers City of Sickles is at 400. Another comic that would be improved with Ghost Rider in it. Uh, number 500 is Uncanny X-Men Divided We Stand. That's 495 to 499. Number 600 is the Pieces of Cake Marvel Holiday Special from 2007. I have no recollection of this. I, I'm assuming they bake a cake. Number 700 is the time Beast joined the Avengers. Number 800 is Star Jammers Volume 2, A Dune Story. And number 280. 828, it's the worst X-Men story of all time. It's 2099 World Tomorrow. Adam, we spent a lot of time talking about other stories. I would say that this is definitely better than Avengers versus X-Men. So it's in our top 200 
full show. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I'm curious if this is a top 150 book. 150 is the uncanny of X-Men Acts of Vengeance story, which is one Mm. spot above the Captain America Acts of Vengeance story, which is wrong. Like, we just screwed that one up. I know we were probably like, well, Jim Lee art. One has Ron Lim art. There is a reason for this. And one of them has Magneto putting Red Skull into a hole. I know. It's so good. And then the other one has has Psylocke becoming problematic. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, at 138, we have Giant Size X-Men by Hickman. And I do think these two issues are better than that. Right above that is the follow-up to this where Forge revisits the vault in volume six. Um, This is also better than that think this is better than that um i don't know how much higher i would really go though is it better than empire x-men at 121 no i don't think it is it's better than pizza hut (laughs) x-men yes it is it is um (laughs) yeah is it better than than nemesis cape no it's not better than the nemesis contract that book could pretty it is probably better than x-force um, it's the, Three. it's the black and white blood and guts X-Force. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. This is better than angels and demons from that. Where rain, rain gets a heroin addiction. It's going to be our new 123. This will be 123. It's the vault. I, I still think these are two really good issues. I just don't think it necessarily lives up to the entire promise. And I think all of us, I think the vault issue, original vault issue came out and then all of us were put in our own vault. Uh, with <laughs> yes. the pandemic. So maybe maybe there was a lot of thought into, well, what happens when they get out? Yeah. Stories. Yep. All right. So we are going to move from X-Men Volume 5 to Cable Volume 4. And this is um, Jerry Duggan's take on the fact that when we began the Krakoa era, we were still dealing with <laughs> the fact that Kid Cable came from the future and killed adult Cable. So when we started with the Krakoa era, we have Kid Cable. What are we going to do with him? Well, he gets his own series. And surprise, Well, no, surprise, no, hold on, hold on. What we do with him on. is put him into a book that we will we will stop talking about uh, immediately that we've all already forgotten about. Oh, that's true. He did. Oh, he was in Fallen Angels. That's right. I forgot <laughs> about that. Don't worry. Yeah, I just listen. It's it's, it's just maybe it got more. You know maybe I mean? it got more more attention than it needed, given all of the comps around it. Uh, it's still not a good book, uh, no. and it did not make me like Cable or Conan any more than I had beforehand. Yeah, uh, both yeah. of which they like said, "Hold on, let's do a let's do a quick little adjustment here." And great, they're great now because uh, this is. Uh, Jerry Duggan and Phil Noto. Uh, Adam, sure if I do recall, if I do recall, you brought up that Jerry Duggan uh, was dealing with a character that has had some controversy around him in the past. And I believe well, what he said to you <laughs> is, I could give two. <laughs> we were at a, I think it was C2E2. It when... was C2E2 2020. It's why I just looked it up. Yeah, where Jerry Jerry invited someone onto the, the, a panel stage and handed him cable number one and said, I know you all hate Kid Cable. 
I'm going to invite someone up on stage and ask him to read cable number one. And he's going to tell me what he thinks of it. He had that much faith in this book. And that guy read the book and was like, yeah, this is really fun. And then when we all got to read it, I think we could all agree. This is a lot of fun. I would, I honestly think my favorite Jerry Duggan stuff is stuff in the same vein as this cable run, uh, where he is just taking big fun swings with things. Uh, not necessarily, I think, I think he can get a little too maudlin sometimes and a little too focused on plot. And while that's great for some people, I think he works best in books like this, in books like uh, the Wolverine Infinity Watch, in books like his War of Realms Punisher and Punisher Kill Crew. Uh, that's the that's the Punisher comic where the Punisher gets a team to go fight Frost Giants because he's Amazing. mad about he's he's mad about uh, War of the Realms and Punisher's like, well, you Frost Giants made some kids orphans, so now I have to kill you. Do you want to know who his team is? Uh, sure. This is who's this on, is the Punisher's kill crew. kill crew. Um, let's see. Well, there's Black Knight. Okay. Tooth Nasher. Oh, the goat. Yes, one of Thor's goats. <laughs> nice. Okay, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> uh, Juggernaut. Great. Beloth, the old navigator. He's just a dark elf. He. he I'm pretty sure he spends most of the time, uh, like, chained to a car. Uh, mm-hmm. they 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 use a like a painted band for this one. Awesome. Oh, and then the last member of his team. This is really important. It's Foggy Nelson. Oh, great. Does Foggy Nelson kill people? No, Foggy Nelson is very upset about all of the events of this story. <laughs> okay. So basically, it's the Punisher, Juggernaut, and a goat going around killing people with Foggy Nelson. That sounds like a great book. Yes, I can tell you. <laughs> no one's, that no one fun. remembers it. It's pretty darn good. All right. And Cable is in that vein because it's it's not afraid to kind of sometimes be a dumb action book. Yeah. It's it's doing a couple things really, really well, right? So the first is actually building out the Jonathan Hickman version of Kick Cable that we saw a little bit in X-Men, right? That was him um, handing a grenade to somebody. That was the entirety exactly. that Jonathan Hickman had made. Right, but that is, that is the personality of this, right? Of this character. He is violent forward, right? That's how he solves his problems. And yet he's a, he's a teenage kid. So he is stealing glances from all of the other teenage girl mutants. He is dating the cuckoos. This cape. Let's talk about this for a second. Cable pulls in this. (laughs) No less than seven women want cables bones. Right. This comic book. Pretty wild. Pretty wild. Uh, Kid cable is uh, getting around. Hey, Speaking of one of those women, hey, why, why don't they have Pixie wearing this great, like jumper all the time? Great question, Phil Noto. It's super good, good design. Yeah, it's super good. Um, he's dating all of the he's dating all of the Stepford Cuckoos. Only one of them's really into him. But like again, when we talk about wasn't this era wild? It was because they were for like. A chunk of time, like there was like an 18 month period where they were saying no boundaries. Let's go. Uh, Everyone, everyone's everyone's having sex with everybody. And eventually (laughs) they did get away from that. And that's so unfortunate that that's not 
That's not on the writers. That's not on the writers. Heck, it's not even on the editors. No, no, no. And if you want to talk about cutting loose, let's get into the fact that, yes, this is a fun four issue series where we're starting to get into the overarching uh, story of this entire volume, which involves Cable and hunting down mutant babies that have been stolen by, we'll find out later, Strife. Um, But Mm. these first four issues, oh, yeah, they're actually about Rom Space Knight. Um, we can't, Adam. What? So far, we, we can't use the word ROM. Uh, yeah, we can. Marvel's p- printing the Romnibus now. They they can say. Oh whatever shoot! They want. I forgot about the Romnibus, man. Again, we've said it before. Hasbro just these like yeah, Marvel. We don't care. These old they, these old comics. Fiat go to town. Like maybe don't use ROM anymore, or don't do anything bad with ROM. But they should just let Marvel be like. Put Rom and thing. Put Rom on the Guardians of the Galaxies, yeah. but we get to sell the toy. We get to sell the Let's Rom go. toy based on this. Um, yeah, that part's great, fun. Yeah, it's a great gimmick. Um, there is a really fun scene where there is sort of like a museum that has these three um, Galador armors. You know, space knights just standing, and they think it's just the armor, and then they kick on, and they're just like breaking right out of the ceiling and it really reminds me i have i would have to look it up but there is a really great old issue of uh transformers um that involved like a space kind of circus slash museum where all the critters of the universe are being enslaved by this you know thing and it reminded me of that very very much you know we get the the light of galador this sword that will actually become important um towards the end of ten of swords I'm going to say a lot of good things about Phil Noto in a second. I'm going to say a bad thing first. Dude cannot draw a sword good. Dude has problems drawing this sword right and good. Really? What's wrong with it? Yes, I feel like the sword, I can never get a good feel for its size. Oh. It should be... What what is it? It's it's the Buster Sword from Final Fantasy VII. That's what it is. It's not that big, though. Like, if you look at the cover of... Cover to number two! That's a... That's a big sword. That's a man-sized sword. Yeah, but it's not as big as the Final Fantasy sword. That sword is like as big as a car. No, but That's sometimes... Ileana's swords. <laughs> yeah, it is. Sometimes, sometimes Phil Noto draws this sword as like a big knife, but just like a fat yeah. knife. Yeah. It throws me off. It's thrown me off ever since I saw it. I I really do like Phil Noto, Phil Noto in here, but these issues kind of cemented something for me about Noto. I think Noto is an incredibly expressive artist. I think he does some great layouts, and I think he does some some of the best character acting out there. Mm-hmm. My kingdom for him to choose a line weight and stick with it. Because <laughs> he'll go from he'll go to extremes. He'll go from almost no line weight and just coloring directly over the equivalent of pencils. Sure. Or he'll or he'll ink with a Sharpie. Yes. And he'll jump between those throughout an issue and it it drives me mad. Well, I think the one place where he's using that to good effect is with the flat the flash sideways to adult cable where he's completely changing the style of what it is so that we know it's a completely different universe. That said, I agree um you know the style I- of the line weight does change even in the present. He does a little bit with the line weight, but more what he does is he changes how he colors those Mm. limbo sections, the hell sections. 
Yes. And that works for me. There's times when he doesn't add as much differentiation in his coloring and he does a lot flatter, blockier styles. And I don't think that works well either. Uh, but like there's a nice medium of him using a thin but still recognizable line weight and him using that as or using that to generally define his shapes and colors, but not strictly define them so they don't feel mm-hmm. restricted to it. And that is my favorite, favorite Phil Noto. I think of the first time I really encountered Noto uh, in his Black Widow run. Uh, there's a opening fight scene that is that kind of like jaggedy expressive stuff that he does. And it's so stupid. Good. Mm-hmm. And I am constantly chasing the high of that film. Noto. Yeah, I do agree. I'm just flipping through them now. Issue four, drastically different inking style to the first three issues. Like so different. It, 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 looks dramatically different. I don't think it's negative necessarily because it's still, you can still tell it's Phil Noto, but it is interesting how he's playing with that. Just a couple of quick things that are really fun uh, about these four issues. One great cameo. Did you notice who the baby's parents were in uh, the, the issue where the first baby gets stolen? Polly Provenzano Omerta from, um, Eve of destruction. What is that? Eve of destruction. Eve of destruction. I was like, yeah, that's a Steve Orlando level poll. I was like, that's crazy. Um, I I remember when that came out. I thought it was the most insane right? character to ever bring back. <laughs> uh, Cyclops eating a cheesesteak. A plus. Love it. Right. Uh, the cops that they encounter in Philly. There's a lot of really funny Philly things in here. Um, and what was the last? Oh, the first issue starts in what do they, they don't call it the dojo. What do they call it where they fight in the, in the arena? Um, the, it's the fighting pits that they're fighting in. They're just having yeah. fun. Yeah. There is a really fun infographic of like who's fought so far. And <laughs> there's some, this is just really funny that like Artie and Leech fought each other. Um, Pyro has lost multiple times. Callisto fought Jumbo Carnation for some reason. The only one I take issue with is Dazzler beating Jubilee. I don't necessarily buy that, but you know, I'm not the writer. So, I mean, okay. Hey, what is face tattoo Pyro up to nowadays? I wondered that myself. I saw him in the third book we're going to talk about today. And I was like, where is he? He's so much fun. Anyway, just, Anybody is like anybody who you have questions about is like in immortal X-Men somewhere. Yes, I do. Listen, I never want to write an X-Men comic. I do want to like send Tommy B an email saying, look, I don't know how any of this stuff. And we don't curse on this podcast. Adam. I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't know how any of this stuff ends, but if you want to let me write a brotherhood of evil mutants book afterwards, where all the bad guys are like, well, we actually didn't mind being, like chill for a while so what do we do and it'd be like blob and pyro and yeah it's it's not but like put them and gray crow together and be like what's up we're just kind of we're just kind of chilling now how do we how do we deal with this that would be a fun time it's never gonna happen it really would um i enjoyed this quite a bit i liked this entire series and this is a really strong start with kind of some out there 
ideas that you're right. It feels new and exciting and refreshing and uh, kind of a, a different take on the character that works really, really well. It gave you what you didn't know you wanted. Yeah. yeah all the while promising like, hey, adult cable still in the picture. So if you're still kind of nervous about this kid, we'll, we'll be bringing the big guy back, you know? And, and um, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. I could have. I've seen I've seen what happens when adult cable comes back. I could I could have dealt with the kid for I a little longer. Would have loved to have kid cable stick around. In fact, when he came adult back, adult cable that one time, was one of Al Ewing's rare misses. I would say. Yeah, yeah. When I, when kid just, cable came back though, that one issue of X Men, I was like, yeah, <laughs> bring him back again. Oh, that's right. right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Hey, yeah, kid he came cable, back show up issue. again. Do some stuff. He's yep. captured. What's he up to? No, wait, he's time machined. I don't remember. I'm not going back and reading that until someone gives me $5. Yeah. Is this better or worse than what we just talked about with the vault? A little bit worse, I think. Okay. It's not as high concept, but yeah. This isn't as good as Mojo Mayhem at 128. No, I don't think it's as good as Blood Hungry at 135. I would put uh, the Forge in the Vault issues of X-Men Volume 6 ahead of this. We're in the right spot. We are we are near the right spot. Because here's the thing. That issue of Excalibur where Rachel fights Galactus, that's probably oh, better than this. Yeah. Like that just yeah, that's that just solid. hits. I do yep. think this is better than the X-Men in Life Lessons, a good Jean-Paul Leon drawn PSA comic about burn victims. Yeah, I think we're probably on par with uh the Simonson's X Factor 27, which is the Christmas issue. Um, I really love that issue, and I think this That's has kind of got a similar fun energy to it. It does. It does. How do you feel about it compared to Howard the Duck Volume 6? <laughs> I would put it above that. So I think this should be our new 141. We have, we have a weird list, Adam. <laughs> we do. There's fun stuff on here. This show is fun. I I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> Well, we've got one last Krakoa Eris uh, book, and you and I decided to take a look at one that maybe didn't make such a good impression the first time around. And we decided, let's take a a fresh uh, look at uh, 2021's X-Corp. This is by Timmy Howard, with art for four of the five issues by Alberto Foschi, and then Valentine DeLandro on... uh, a fill-in on the third issue. I wanted to jump into this because we have been talking a lot for the past few weeks about, like, very specifically, the impact of an artist on a book. And yes. the fact that that's, I mean, that's what comics are. It's it's the art, stupid. Like, mm-hmm. I'm reading, I am reading, I've, and I've been reading for a while. It's a long series, and we read one a night. Uh, uh, G. Willow Wilson's Ms. Marvel run. Yeah. And if they didn't continually get really solid artists on that book, there are arcs that would not hit. There are arcs that I would say, actually, this is bad. But they okay. have good expressive artists in there, starting with Adrian Alfona, Toshiki Miyazawa, uh, Nico Leone. They have some fantastic artists top to bottom. And that's what makes that book. G. Willow Wilson's characterizations are great, but you can't, but it's telling an emotional story and you can't sell the emotions with words alone. You have Mm -hmm. to act. That is an underrated skill in comics. 
in if there is one thing that kills X Corp as a book, it is that Alberto Foschi is a bad artist. It's just like I, this was supposed to be Carmen Carnero. <laughs> it was supposed to I, be. Yeah, there is a. All right, here's I want to back up a sec. You want to back up for my big mic drop? Like I'm normally not like that directly rude. Well, here's there's something that Alberto could be good at, right? Like Alberto is not like a outright terrible artist. He understands the human form. He understands Anatomy, how to draw yeah. three dimensions. You know, like I, he's not bad at drawing. Okay, um, he would be great as probably a commercial illustrator doing work for hire stuff like that. And when it comes to what you just talked about, though, the necessity of these characters to act and for the storytelling to not just be from the script, but also to be from the visual interpretations of the artist, those are things that he is very, very much lacking in. Um, So when we are talking about characters having facial expressions or body language anything along those lines that is not something you are going to see in this book and unfortunately because of that the script which i think has potential and has some interesting things going on it which i want to get into doesn't have the chance to actually lift off i think the script still has issues and i want to mm-hmm. get into those as well but i think that this could have had a chance to ramp up had there been some kind of actual like life behind the eyes of the characters. They look the character, like mannequins. Specifically, they, they look like mannequins. Like it's upsetting. Like and this is this is a book about this is a what if you know we're we're saying the X-Men are being super capitalist right now, in so much as they run companies uh and using that capitalism to disrupt. Uh, human human account they're using their capitalism to disrupt the human economy like hickman wrote a very good issue about that and do you know what that issue has that issue has a lot of character acting and a lot of very tight facial shots and reactions and that's kind of what you have to do for a pitter pattery character focused book in the panels in page layouts that get turned in here are very basic Marvel three to five panels, a page kind of widescreen one distinct action per thing. And that kind of storytelling does not work with something that, that that can work for action that doesn't work for patter. That doesn't work for dialogue. And that doesn't work for what they're trying to do here, which is sell the idea of a business comic to X-Men people. Yeah, I believe the original pitch for this book, as we heard it, um, was, you know, HBO's succession meets the, you know, the corporate end of what's happening here. And I, first of all, that's not what successions, this is not what succession is about. No, succession but it's, it's is about it's like bickering getting... family members. It just happens to be set within the business world. Yeah, but right? but the other the other famous thing you could say is it, it's like The Office, but it's absolutely less like The Office. 
Like it does have a, a very that's dark. An that's an elevator pitch. That's an elevator yes. pitch. I'm, I'm going to give him some credit on that one. Yeah, it does have a very, the show has a very dark sense of humor. I, I don't see the, any humor necessarily in what Teeny is trying to do here with this book. I, I see humor in the dialogue specifically around Monet. Like, I think, I think there is a version of Monet in here that could be written as a very funny character. And I think there's lines that want to work, but the script, again, the script has to carry them. It's not being carried in the art. And in comics, like Steve Lieber is really funny because Steve mm-hmm. Lieber sells all of these jokes and makes all of his writers look better sure. because he can sell it with the comedy in the visual storytelling. Yeah. And I'm not trying to make excuses because I agree. I think the script has some issues, but it's so much easier to point to here's the like, here's the issue at the core of it. Cause then, cause what happens when you guys make, when you make comics, a script goes in and normally it's full script these days. It just is right. An artist translates that, that script into pages. And then you have to go back and dialogue that. So figure out what mm-hmm. you had in the script and make it work. And bud, I don't know about you, but I could tell pages. I was like, they have to get, they have to dialogue this somewhere, but this is not, this is likely not what they envisioned in the script when they did this page. Okay. So let's just give I'll a let you go. Synopsis I'm going to let you go. Um, yeah. X Corp consists mainly of um, Monet slash penance, angel slash archangel, many, many, many Jamie Madroxes, trinary, and we also get added to the quote unquote board of directors, uh, mastermind, not the ladies and Celine. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of potential for fun here, right? There's a um, lot of potential for fun. A lot of potential for fun. They are launching this corporation along with a floating headquarters, right? Mm-hmm. What I think the major problem with this book is, is that the first five issues are set up around two villains. One is the Fenris siblings, but the biggest villain in these first five issues is Jean-Pierre Call, who is sort of the, you know, industrial magnet magnate that doesn't want X Corp to succeed and goes from an challenger in the market to issue five, where he is literally holding an automatic weapon and on the, on that floating headquarters shooting people, right? That character does not work. That character absolutely does not work. The what? design of that character is very uninteresting. He is very bland and the character arc is not interesting at all. I also do not want to spend time with Fenris. Um, I don't want to fun- spend time with Fenris, but this book also, like, I think part of what this book is doing with Fenris is making it crystal clear for, and I don't, I'm going to preface this by saying, I don't think you should necessarily write your stories to react to things that people are saying on the internet, but it's to make it crystal clear to the people on the internet who were being weird about how does all mutants mean all mutants, even the ones we don't like. And the answer is yes until they screw up and do something. This book right. is very much like, yeah, no, they don't like that Fenris are Nazis, but where does their abolition stop? Where does where do they say, no, you can't have a chance here? And that's that's why Fenris was on the island. That's also that's also why 
they immediately got kicked off the moment they pulled some stuff. Yeah. I think the there's two issues here that I particularly like. Three is kind of a bottle a- episode about Madrox being so obsessed with his work and absorbing knowledge as now he is Dr. Madrox that he misses his child's first steps. He allows yeah. the dupe to go and do that. And that was actually a pretty good story. The art is different on that issue. Yeah, it's Valentin Delandro, who yeah. is fantastic. You may know their work from uh, Bitch Planet, probably most famously. Yep. Yeah, uh, that's actually a pretty solid um, you know, character beat, even though I still think some of the visual storytelling in that issue is not super clear, so that I don't exactly know what's happening. Um, you know, they've got these four mutants that are doing this power thing that, that doesn't work um and then the fifth issue which is actually action packed there's actually some mm-hmm. action for the first time in the book i think that's one of the things that the book is just lacking it is a superhero comic and it's extremely talky and not in kind of a fun like boardroom snipey way right that you might see in i don't know you know like you Wall might Street that you might see like in that. all over the Krakoa era in all of yeah, the council. That's stuff. true. Yeah. But Adam, when you think of the council, what is the number one page layout that you imagine when some when someone says, okay, draw a council scene? Um, the nine panels? It's gonna be a nine panel grid because that allows you time for action, reaction, talking heads. Yeah. It gives you it gives you a chance to focus on those specific moments to allow the pace of the dialogue to work in a way that it can't work here. And that is, that is a very disappointing compromise because the scripts here, the pages come in, what do you do with them? Right. Yeah. And I agree three and five are probably the best issues. I think, I think this is a book that was expected to go longer. So they spend more time doing some setup. Uh, just because every book was pitched to go 15, 20 issues, period. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't that doesn't happen by the time this this comes out. I feel like you could retrofit this into five issues and make it work, but you'd have to do some cuts. You'd I think if you focus on Angel, M, and Multiple Man and just mm-hmm. keep it as a tight core, that would work because the the mastermind stuff very much feels like they want to do fun stuff with mastermind later. Never yeah. happens. Right. So does, so does Celine. I'm not a big Celine fan, uh, but I think she has some fun moments here. Yeah, no, she's fun uh, here too. There, there is, there are the seeds for something interesting here that could work by the time you get to issue five. Um, but it really hasn't earned, you know, the reader's attention, I think, mm-hmm. even after the first issue. So it's kind of unfortunate, yep. you know? You know who um, would have drawn this comic really good, Adam? I mean, there's so many people. I think, well, you, you're you talking about Penance and Archangel being, like, major players. Penance is, like, such a Chris Bocciolo-like design, and she just looks weird here. I'm sorry. Every time Monet Why are they doing the Spider-Man half-face thing with her I don't constantly know. in I, this book? I hate it. And she it, just doesn't look good. She looks like okay. she's like here's wearing a Statue I, of Liberty crown. 
I have a, I literally have a framed, you can't see it, Adam. It's all the way over there. But a framed That's picture okay. of Penance M halfway through doing the Spider-Man face change thing by Marcelo Biot. And it's incredibly good. It's a great piece, but it looks bad here. Who I was going to say would draw this book good. It's David Aha. And David Aha is putting on a master class uh, in covers here. They are so good. They've got a... I mean, is David Aha? They've they've got a graphic design sensibility, mm-hmm. use of negative space. Uh, they just look cool. Yeah. People compare to Wildstorm Volume or 3.0 on the covers, and I mean, I looked at the Wildstorm 3.0 covers. It's kinda maybe, but more they just look like what you would do if you said, "I need a superhero comic, but it's about boardrooms." Yeah, it's about boardrooms and it needs to be slightly medicine themed. And he knocks it out of the ballpark. It looks fantastic. There's just such smart design there. So it is very disappointing when you get into the book and the art is very flat and um, doesn't really have any energy to it. So it it makes for just just doesn't make for pleasant reading. So I think Carnero could have knocked this thing out of the park. It would have happened. I think so. I think there could be a a better book here. Um, I still think that there are weaknesses in the story. Um, There are. Like I mentioned, you know, I just think it could have been fleshed out more, you know, and that's okay. You know know what I wonder about uh, Cole's very hard turn into that last issue in that last issue? What's that? I wonder how much they were like, oh, shoot, we're we got canceled. We found out during issue three, we got to wrap all this up real quick. It's entirely possible that that might've been a slow burn that got accelerated, but it made for a better comic. There was more energy. There was more going on. There was more character interaction. And, you know, um, I get what Teeny wanted to do with this book. I just don't think it worked as well as some of the other things she did with the line um we we so, talked about covering excalibur on here a book that i really like I uh, for this episode yeah, I like that book too but like our decision was and what i i pitched to you is i think it'll be more interesting if we talk about a book that didn't work but there's very specific ways that it didn't work instead of the general comic way of well this one was just a bad one they did yeah like, there's ambition yeah. here it's just not realized. Right. I agree. Um, so unfortunately this is, uh, the lowest of the three today. Um, looking down the list and, you know, last week we, we talked about Domino volume three by Gail Simone. I don't think this, this is, is worse than Domino that. volume three. Um, yeah. I'm just looking at things we've covered in the relative I, recent. This is worse than X force sex and violence at five Oh one. It is worse than sex and violence. Is it worse than Extreme X-Men Expose? At 520. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, I think Claremont, I don't like that. Actually kind of surprised that's as high as it is, but it's got Manoli books below it. It's got Neil and Manoli, buddy. Yeah, I, I think that book's better. I think Expose is trying to do something more than this <sighs> um, is it better than <laughs> i'm gonna say something 
And I know what your reaction is going to be, but I want you to think with your heart of hearts. No, you're right. Been, bad blood is, is better than this. Bad blood's better than this. I was going to ask is, if this is better than Shattershot, and I knew you were going to say yes no, out of gut no. reaction. Shattershot is better than this. I would much rather read Shattershot. Look at the art you in Shattershot. Would. Come on. I have. Some of the art in Shattershot is bad. Uh, some uh, of it is amazing. Uh, some. I'm trying to think where I... I think this is... This is better or worse than the Muir Island Saga at 585. Like, I think we're down here at, like, where 589, we've got um, the London Hellfire Club arc mm -hmm. of Excalibur. I feel like we're on par with that. You You're know? right. I do think this is better than Blood Ties at 588. Yeah, I would agree with that. Probably. Yeah. Is it better or worse than the first six issues of Souls Astonishing? Hmm. I, I'm going to say art, worse. I think the art yeah. is better in Astonishing. So, yeah, I mean, that that's was a good the, place that for was it. the selling point, wasn't it? <laughs> All right. So this is going to be 588. This is our new 588. It's X Corp. One through five. Yeah. Listen, I think given that we have 820 something stories, I think that's actually a pretty good showing for that book. Um, well, I think one thing. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, I think there's probably people listening who would have ranked it lower, but I want to give credit to where it's due that it is definitely trying something that it may not have gotten credit for at the time. You know, well, and I think like, this is something this is something that I'll say about the era as a whole. I said I said at the time, hey, guys, we read a lot of bad X-Men comics, Adam and I. Yeah, y'all don't get the bad comics of this era are not bad, like historically bad X-Men comics can be just dreadfully bad. This era, there is there is not a single I'm trying to pick a good one. Hold on. There is not a <laughs> that one's dumb. Sorry, I almost said I almost said there's not a single amazing Spider-Man 420 in this, but that would be uh, that's a dumb one. Uh, I don't know. There's nothing that is like there's nothing as bad as like Captain Marvel two and three, the secret origin of Adam X in this era. There's no there's not like a Phoenix Phoenix end song in this era. There's no. some bad comics. Yeah, but but altogether, almost, we're, we're dealing with with smarter ideas and world building, right? More ambitious. Allow this There's to be a little ambition. bit more sophisticated. So anyway, um, interesting conversation. You know, it's always fun to to look back on these things that weren't that long ago, but somehow feel a little ancient history compared to where we are right now. I don't know. It's wild. Again, the time and the slipping and that it does. Yeah, yeah. But that was a fun episode. I mean, I had fun. Listeners, you're a real judge here. If you had fun, <laughs> go over to patreon.com slash battle the atom. Uh, and then say so in the little chat feature that maybe we'll use more. Maybe we won't. We'll Yeah. Who's to say who's gonna use I don't know. when? Let's find out. Adam, what do you got going on? Uh folks can always follow me on a variety of social media, Instagram. Adam Reck, Blue Sky, Adam Reck, and whatever Twitter is, Arthur Stacy. By the time this episode comes out, I'll have already been to New York Comic Con. And usually I ask Zach what we're doing next week, but that's what we're doing next week. Uh, we're doing I'm New York Comic Con. I get a break. To New York I Comic Con. I'm going to New York Comic Con, you know, but I can't. 
I'm sorry, Zach. Um, but uh, I'll be there. I'll be interviewing some people, and uh, hopefully, we have a super special episode for you. I'm I'm excited. I I never get to listen to the episodes myself, so this is the very the very rare times where I get to enjoy an episode. It's fun for me, and I can't wait. To, <laughs> I can't wait to do that. But until then, folks, this has been Bally Adam. We hope you survive the experience. Get it!